0: Happy Hump Day! Welcome back to Looking Backwards, Looking Forwards. I'm C. Thomas Printer. I'm here with Austerity Jones.
1: Happy Wednesday! C. Thomas, we have three items from the past and three items to look forward to. As we look backwards, let's go around the world and start with London. There, environmentalists threw tomato sauce on Van Gogh's painting, The Sunflowers.
0: They certainly did. These young, crazy environmentalists have some really creative reasons to get the oil companies to stop pumping oil. Do you really think that in the Exxon board meeting, that Darren Woods is sitting there and he's saying to himself, wow, I don't think I'm going to pump any more oil because someone threw tomato sauce on Van Gogh's painting. Then they pulled out a glue stick and they stuck themselves to the wall. What do you think, Mr. Chevron? What do you think, Mr. Shell? How about you, Mr. ConocoPhillips66? Should we stop printing oil? Because my goodness, tomato sauce on a painting. I think people will stop driving because of that. This is the ridiculousness of what these people are doing, right? Whether some of them are climbing bridges and backing up traffic for seven hours. I think you take all of these people. Austerity that don't like oil, they don't want us to pump oil, they don't like energy. And what you do is you round them up safely in a protective space like they're used to, you move them to a cabin in the woods, Northern England is fine as the wintertime approaches, and then you simply sit there and you have three choices. You have a lump of coal, you have a piece of firewood, or you have the thermostat. And you say, okay folks, now it's gonna get cold in here, and if you wanna survive, you're gonna have to use energy like the rest of the planet. Now, you can choose. (laughs) You can burn coal. It's going to be very smoky. You can burn the firewood. It's going to be less smoky. Or you can just turn the thermostat on. That's my approach (laughs) to these people. And if they choose to not use any of the three and freeze to death, you can't fix stupid. And trust me, what they just did was very stupid.
1: (laughs) How interesting. Then, from London to Beijing, what do you think about China stopping selling gas to Europe?
0: This has serious consequences for Europe. There's a pressure around mm-hmm. Europe and it's constricting, right? So we talked, there was a mysterious explosion at the LNG facility and then at Freeport. And that Sorry. was one of the biggest ways for us to export some of the, the LNG from the US. And then there was a mysterious explosion and the pipeline, which was their backup And now the natural gas is offline there permanently, it sounds like. And now the next source that they've been getting, which is they've been buying some extra natural gas capacity from Beijing and China, now that's going away. Now, from what I'm hearing is their stockpiles are pretty good for this winter. And if the winter is fairly mild, they can get through that. But they don't have the facilities to take care of them for next year and next winter particularly. So if you have the long view in this, This is very, very detrimental because how are they going to fill their capacity for next year? I don't know. And I don't Mm -hmm. think they know. And I think everything you're hearing from the politicians is we just got to get through this winter. Well, that's mm-hmm. a very short-sighted <laughs> approach to how to run a country, right? We're not talking about a budget here for a company where you have to make a quarter. <laughs> we're talking about the proliferation here of a country moving forward and having a six-month view of this is how we're going to have energy. You might as well put these people in the cabin with our you know, little environmental <laughs> protesters because they're going to be out of energy very soon.
1: <laughs> Thank you, C. Thomas. And from Beijing to Paris... Macron said there will be further subsidies for poor-income people to buy electric vehicles.
0: (laughs) Yes, just another example of our lovely governments (laughs) not letting the private enterprise determine what they want to buy. Here, here's $10,000 in credits to buy a vehicle that costs $80,000 or $40,000. Guess what? Those are poor-income people. They can't buy cars. That's why they're poor. (laughs) So to give them a credit, like this is literally the, the, the bifurcation of these people's thought processes. Oh, I'm rich. I can afford a Tesla. I believe this p- p- president of the United States, Biden, last year said, well, everyone should just go buy an EV car. I was like, oh, really? Are we just going to give them away? Because that's what we're trying to do. And the whole adaption of this industry has really been based on, here, we'll give you $7,500 off, like in the United States. Well, then Ford raised their prices eight grand. They're like, well, we're going to capture that. We're not just going to let the consumer get that. And now these vehicles are becoming more and more expensive because they can be because the government is giving money away to people. So what's going to happen is, oh, Macron's going to say, here, here's a subsidy to buy this car. And the car makers are going to say, we will take some of that. Thank you very much. And now the car prices are going to go up. The people that are going to win this race are the people that are going to have the low cheap EV car. It's not going to be the luxury vehicles because there's simply not enough people that can afford them. Like people forget this. Inflation takes away disposable income. It doesn't add to it. And so what happens is is basically you're going to have to have an alternative for poor people to drive. And it's going to basically be a bicycle, you know, maybe we're going to have electric bicycles. That might have mass adoption because people will be able to afford that at least. But it's damn sure not mm-hmm. going to be subsidies for more cars for poor people. Because if they, were, if they weren't poor, they could afford to buy the vehicle without a subsidy. So I feel like this is just hurting domestic auto manufacturers in all countries.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you, C. Thomas. We have traversed the world now. Let's turn internal and talk about President Biden's plan on the gas price And the tension with Saudi Arabia?
0: Well, This is two parts, right? So the -hmm. first part is Biden has been releasing the strategic petroleum reserves for some time, right? I think it's been since May or early in the spring. And that is running out in October. I believe it's going to total 180 million barrels. And it has effectively pushed the price of at the pump down about a buck. Uh, the problem is, is it's not nearly done what they thought it was going to do. Because if you look at two years ago, we're still up a lot, right? Energy prices are still up a lot. They've come down from the the really, really high prices they were. But now they're starting to creep back up again. And we have basically taken half of our strategic petroleum reserves that are there for an emergency. Like, I don't know, if we have financial shocks, <clears throat> UK, stock market, maybe geopolitical conflicts, Ukraine, excuse me, I got something in my throat, Taiwan. We've basically taken our emergency reserves and we put them on the open market to play politics, right? The reason he had them and they were going to expire In October was he was going to get the gas price down before the elections. The elections are coming up in a couple weeks. He's already talking about extending the current ones, another 10 or 15 million barrels to keep a lid on this price. And then after the election, what's his plan? Do we have a plan? Are we going to keep releasing them? No. The reason is, is now he's achieved his objective and helped it politically as much as he can. So that goes hand in hand with the tension we have with Saudi Arabia. It came out, the Saudis came out and said, yeah, we at OPEC last couple of weeks ago decided to cut 2 million barrels of production, which isn't quite 2 million. It's actually going to be somewhere in the range from 800,000 barrels to maybe 1.1 million, I heard. But they said that Biden had asked them to delay announcing that until after the election or the election delaying it one month (laughs) i mean this is just so transparent it's just being playing politics with basically the price of energy and as we saw from our fun little environmental protesters i'm telling you what energy is a real problem right energy is something we all need it affects everything we do whether it's go to work what clothes we wear you know if you're wearing fleece guess what it's got petroleum in it it's absolutely in everything and everything we do Energy, energy, energy. And we don't have a policy for this. We have a short-sighted political policy. We now have our allies in the in the Middle East that are basically turning away from us. And we have a real problem here. The only saving grace is we do have a ton of energy in the U.S. that if we ever decided to actually use it, we could actually be quite powerful and very energy independent. But we just do not seem to do that because Bernie Sanders and the greenies just simply won't allow it.
1: See, Thomas, do you think all these add up into recession?
0: Well, yes. And it's mostly because the traditional definition of recession was a contraction in the GDP for two consecutive quarters. And that's Mm -hmm. already happened. So Mm -hmm. I know that they went and changed the definition of a recession (laughs) here a while ago and said, no, the Office of Budget Research, or I forget the name of the entity that actually declares the recession, I don't need a weatherman to tell me it's snowing when I'm in a blizzard. When we see contraction of the GDP, it's been announced, it's out, the numbers are out. We know we're in a recession. It's mild at this point. Could it get worse? Certainly. Certainly. Right? The problem is, is where we are at in the cycle. Normally, the Fed is lowering rates to try to help us avoid a recession. This time, we're kind of already in a recession by the traditional definition,
1: mm-hmm. and the
0: Fed is raising rates, and raised rates have a lag before they trickle into the economy. So the question becomes is how bad does it get If we're contracting now by, I think it was 1.6% in the first quarter, 0.9% in the second quarter, the third quarter numbers were basically zero. What's it going to look like in two quarters, in three quarters, right? When some of these rate hikes actually trickle through into the economy, that's the bigger question. And that's Mm -hmm. very easy to say, oh my gosh, we're in a huge recession. Well, yes, but we're technically in one now Mm -hmm. by the traditional definition. And so how much worse can it get? The answer is, I think, a lot.
1: Many thanks, C. Thomas, for your comments. And thanks to our audience for tuning in. If you would like to access the news we discussed today, go to cthomasprinter.com. Talk to you next week, C. Thomas.
0: Thank you, Austerity. Until next week. Let's hope those crazy little environmental protesters get that sticky glue off their hand.